Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? We got a very special guest here on the Clocked In Podcast. We got Mikey Taylor. He's professional skateboarder turned serial entrepreneur and now currently president and managing partner of Commune Capital. Mikey, how are we doing today? Oh, doing good. Thanks, brother. How are you? Great, great. We're super excited to have you here. Your story is incredible, and I can't wait to share it with the group. So, Mikey, where where did your story start, and how, how did you fall in love with skateboarding? Oh man, it started uh, when I was a kid and I saw one of my friends who I kind of perceived as like one of the cool kids uh, riding a skateboard. And so I wanted to fit in. So I convinced my parents to get me one. And that was kind of how it started. I thought I was just trying to fit in and then it just kind of grabbed me and, you know, became an obsession very quickly. Uh, And then, you know, 25 years later, here we are. (laughs) absolutely absolutely and when did you realize that you were uh, something special not you individually but your parents are like okay he's not just skating at the park anymore well it, it didn't go like that it wasn't like the oh my gosh like dude this dude is phenomenal he's gonna be a big deal not my story right my story was uh my parents when i turned 16 you know started getting on me about getting a job and I didn't want to work yet because I wanted to keep skating. And so I came up with a plan ultimately to convince them that I didn't need to get a job. And that was at companies to give me free product. And then I would have all of the stuff that I would need to buy for free. And then if I needed money for anything, the free stuff I was getting. And that pushed them off of me for about two years until the point of me graduating high school. Uh, in you know, college and I didn't really want to go to college yet. I wanted to keep skateboarding. So that was kind of the next milestone of me figuring out how to get these companies to start paying me. And then it just turned into a career. It was almost like I was just trying to keep skating. And the only option to do that was to figure out how to become a pro skateboarder. <laughs> so every time you got pushed to need more money or need something, or you would be like, how can we utilize what I have right here and what I love to do yeah. to get paid on it? Yeah, it was just like the, I'm not ready to stop. And how can I prolong this? That was my story. I love it. And so when you get to like 16, 17, 18, people are going to college. What's your thoughts? 
you're just like, what do I need to do to make it pro? Am I good enough? How do you engage yourself? Are you going to tournaments? Well, you know, what, what happened is like, you know, when I got companies are giving me free stuff, what that meant was they started sponsoring me. Uh, and then my senior year of high school, some of the companies that were sponsoring me started putting me in magazines. So they started advertising me. So there was kind of this opportunity that I saw possibly presenting itself, but I wasn't making any money doing it. So it, it was just like, okay, man, maybe I could take a shot at this. Like maybe I could get paid to keep skateboarding. Maybe I could do this a few years longer. And it was like, dude, in the beginning, I just, I didn't want to stop. But what I will say is I was kind of concerned about not going to college as well. Like all of my friends were going to college. Like back then the idea was if you don't go to college, you're not going to be anything. And I, and I believed it too. So I'm not going to say I was just like, oh yeah, well, I'll just figure this out. Like I, I was concerned. I just, uh, I, I wasn't ready, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. And and I totally understand that because nowadays it's difficult because there is such a push on college and it is so expensive. Yeah. And by expensive, I mean like what we're learning, is it equating to the jobs right. you're getting? Is it worth it? And so for you to go, I'm going against the path, it's definitely very difficult. And what was really your decision there? What were you thinking about? Was it really for the love? Well, of, was it for the love, or was it for the expenses of college and all that dynamic? Was it for like the love of skateboarding? Why I kept yeah. why I went skateboarding and not the cost of school? No, it was it, it was the pure obsession and and love of it. It's just like I was so consumed. Like I I didn't want to do anything other than skateboarding. Um, was one. And two, like, I, I wasn't necessarily worried about cost of school. It was a little, you know, it wasn't like it is today. Uh, but also, like, I wasn't trying to go to some, like, uh, I, I, I just didn't even make it as far enough to figure out what I was even going to have to pay to go to college, you know? Um, but no, I think it was just the, the idea that I just wasn't ready to stop skating. So, you know? you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you go on this path, we go skating start becoming a pro skater, start getting the shoe endorsements, et cetera, et cetera. When did you start to really, really think about money? Because. (laughs) So, so look, my parents were terrified that I wasn't going to college. Like they were not comfortable with it. And part of them like feeling somewhat okay about it was connecting me with uh, the person who was managing my parents' money. And they basically said, Hey, look, you're going to go link up with Randy and you better listen to everything he has to say. That's the only way we're going to feel good about this. So that, that was about, I was about 19 when that happened. So it, it was like kind of a combination of me, like legitimately being concerned that I wasn't going to college and there was going to be some type of sacrifice for my future uh, mixed with this guy who started talking to me about like, what money was like at this point, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, the only thing I knew about money at this point was I had to work to make money. And, you know, I had the the dream that if I can make a million bucks, I'm good and rich and never have to do anything again. It was so like, uh, off and, and there was just, I didn't have a lot of depth beyond that. And so when he started teaching me about kind of more of the, the foundations of finance, you know, creating a plan, creating disciplines like before I started making money it was just at an age where I was just like willing to soak it all up yeah and that's so big because 
Um, in like the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, he says, give 10% away. Uh, but he also says, keep 10%. And if you take a dollar out of every $10 you get, it's a lot easier to do that than take $100,000 out of a million dollars. That's right. That's right. Learn to be responsible with little so you can be responsible with a lot. It's such a, a, a profound uh, idea, you know? Absolutely. And it's super important. So you start going and you start making money. Is this guy, is he helping you or did he just set the groundwork for you and then you're making all your own decisions? Okay. So Randy uh, managed his own uh, wealth advisory, uh, registered investment advisor. Yeah. And so basically what he did for me, which is very different than a lot of other advisors is he could have just said, Mikey, look, you're making some money. Wasn't a lot at this point. It's like 30 grand a year. You're making some money. Just, I got you. Just give it to me. I'll manage it. You know, I'll build you out a portfolio. I'll diversify it. You just do your thing. Uh, He took a totally different approach and he said, okay, dude, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to actually educate you and empower you. So you not only know what I'm doing, but so that you can be included in the conversation to figure out or make sure we have the best plan for you possible. Right? So in the beginning, it was like, uh, simple things. Let's create your budget. Okay. So we start working on a budget. He starts introducing this idea that you kind of referred to about paying myself first, right? Picking a percentage that we were going to allocate towards my savings and my investing before I paid any bills. Okay. I could do that. Right. We started working on my financial plan. I remember him asking me, all right, dude, well, how much do you need to make to not have to work? And I was like, how much do I have to make to how do I make money without working? That's where I was at. Right. And he was like, look, Mikey, when, when you start investing, right, you start making money off your investment. He starts introducing this idea of passive income or the interest you can make. Well, you can get to a point where you have enough interest off your investment or enough passive income to where it covers the amount of money you need to live your expenses. And I was like, Whoa. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Like, what do I need? 60 grand a year? Like I, I, I was young. And he goes, okay, well, I want you to think, man, you need this to basically last the rest of your life. Are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids? Yeah. And so he forced me to have to figure out some of those questions that quite frankly, I would have never figured out. And, and so that I could figure out an end goal so that I could start working on how I got there. And, and that was kind of the beginning of it. And then he started, I remember there was something he told me that was so massive and I didn't realize how big it was until I got a little bit older. Uh, we set up my whole plan, right? I'm like 20 years old and like, dude, I don't have a lot of bills. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. And he's like, all right, Mikey, you're going to start making more money and you're going to want to spend, you're going to want to spend more money. And I was yeah. like, no, dude, I'm good. Like, what are you talking about? Like I can maintain this forever. And then all of a sudden I start making more money and my friends start making more money and they start driving nice cars. They start wearing different clothes and some of them start buying houses. Sure enough. I'm like, yep, I want all that. So I call Randy, Randy, dude, I think it's time for me to get a new car. I start like, you know, trying to convince him the way I was convincing myself. And it was just having him go, Mikey, remember our goals? Remember the goals that we created last year? Does this help us get to our goal? And I was like, well, you know, and he was like, Mikey, take a step back. Look, is your goal to become financially independent or is your goal to, to, to live the life you want to live today? And I was like, no, I want to become financially independent. 
And he was like, okay, well, the plan that we created for you to get there in 15 years, that's going to take you 30 now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay, okay. I'll back off, right? But like having somebody on my side check me like that, uh, it, it, it was massive for me. And so he spent a lot of time with me in the beginning, basically creating these systems where I was going to pay myself first and I was going to maintain my lifestyle as I started making more money. Uh, that helped me really uh, move forward as I started making more because all of the disciplines already worked out and checked. Absolutely. That's so big, especially the fact that you had that mentor and everyone should look out and go get that mentor of sorts that's in the financial realm that it doesn't have to be an RIA, but it's good to be a registered investment advisor, but it also helps having someone who's been there before, who has the money, who's living how you want to live. And you go, how, how did you do that? And those people are there for you and they're there to help you as well. So I, Mikey, that's huge that you had that. So now you're elevating as a skateboarder, you're getting more deals and you have some of your friends who are just driving ridiculous stuff, have ridiculous items. I can't even imagine. Everyone's just the rich, rich, rich. So what went through your head when you're like, wow, he's rolling up in that and I'm still driving this slash. Did you think to go, okay, now I need to get, I want to show off my investments. Like it's not as sexy as a new brand new crazy car. It's such a good question, dude. Honestly, at that point, like, like, remember, like I had this guy who was telling me all these things, but I hadn't fully experienced uh, the blessing of it all at this point. Right. So like part of me, like, dude, I, you know, we roll up to skate spots and I'd pull up in my, you know, 92 civic hatchback and my 50, my friend in the G car. Right. And dude, the only thing I was telling me is like, gosh, man, he better be right or be right. Dude, the insecurities, the emotion, right? Thomas, dude, just stick to the path. I hope he's right. I hope he's because I, I didn't really know at that point. I was a kid. You know, it wasn't yeah. until later where I was like, damn, that was the best thing I ever could have done. Yeah. No, and it's definitely important because we don't realize it most of the time at where we are right now. It's hard to sit there and go, yeah, it's cool not to go spend all that money on this really cool item because we're thinking so short term. And once you switch it to long term, it changes everything. Yeah. So, so yeah. were your friends questioning where you were at? Were they like... Mikey, are you going to get that new gold chain? Are you going to get this? Are you going to just stay that way? Or they would call you like, you know what I mean? It's just a different dynamic. My friends just thought I was cheap. That was it. Like, dog, you're so cheap, man. Like, come on, like live, you know, is that one, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's the classic. Everyone feels that way at some point. It's like, oh, dude, you don't want to spend all your money tonight? No, I don't. I'd rather save it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So you start getting these um, different deals and different, uh, how did that go with the different sponsorships? Um, Like, how did I start getting new ones? Yeah. I mean, how, like, was there a point where you're like, okay, I'm good now. Did you ever lose a sponsorship? Did you struggle with that? Uh, I know you've had the shoes, the boards, the everything. 
Yeah, that's a good question. So I was, uh, I guess, lucky, thankful. We're not totally sure the term, but my career had a pretty vertical trajectory for about 10 years. Yeah. So it, it just so happened that like every time a contract would end, I would have enough leverage or demand to be able to either negotiate a better deal with that company or I had interest from other companies that I was able to use to either drive the price up or go somewhere else. And so I did 10 years of like just making more and more and more and more money. Uh, it we're wasn't talking like 20 to 30. And then also are other skateboarders knowing about this whole negotiation dynamic? Cause I feel like that's a difficult thing to learn when you're 20 years old, you're like, can you pay me a lot of money, please? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't. So there, there's one thing about me, uh, like since I was a kid, uh, yeah. I love arguing. I love, I love like conversation. I feel, and I've always felt comfortable uh, just speaking. And the other thing too, uh, I, I don't know why, I've always been more of a, uh, I don't know if it's a strategic thinker or, or, or enjoying the dynamic of strategizing. Yeah. And so I, I think just naturally I was interested in that so that when it came to like negotiating deals, it just seemed like a fun game for me. Uh, and I just enjoyed the process. So a lot of my friends did have managers. So they had somebody that came in and negotiate all their deals for them. Um, I was the outcast in a sense of in my generation, there was a handful of guys who were kind of like, I don't want to call them higher performers, but they made more money than the rest. Yeah. I was kind of at the tail end of that group. But in that group, I was like the one guy who didn't have an agent. And then really? you had like the bulk of skaters who didn't make that much money and then didn't have agents. Yeah. Oh, so you were teetering on the end of both sides. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotcha. That's super interesting. And then how did it go that you started moving into St. Archer's Brewing Company. What was that? Was that during skating? Was that? Yeah. Were you at the tail end? What were you thinking there? So basically, uh, Randy, uh, he also ran uh, real estate portfolios. They ran a storage portfolio and then they also had a lending business, uh, which was my introduction into real estate investing. Yeah. And so my whole plan basically was to make as much money as I could skateboarding and then to live off as little as possible so that I could put the maximum amount of money into, uh, in the beginning, it was just, you know, having a totally diversified portfolio. As I got older, it was like, I like real estate. I like real estate. I like real estate. Yeah. That was my whole plan. It, my plan was not start business. Uh, it happened because my first shoe sponsor that I had a pro shoe with, uh, once I got my first shoe, I started really enjoying the process of, or I would say I really started enjoying the business side of skateboarding, especially yeah. in the product side, where I had to basically come up with the idea of the shoe that I wanted, working with designers, getting samples, going through the cost of that, having to introduce it to the market, marketing, sales, which all in circle brought more money to myself when done right. Yeah. And, and I remember just really, really enjoying that. And so I had a conversation with the president of that shoe company asking him if I could be more involved than just a pro skateboarder. Like, yeah. like I want to be a part of like building out teams of the whole night. Yeah. Right? And he was like, dude, uh, what are you talking about? Like, just go skateboard. Like, no. And so I remember leaving that meeting feeling like one, you know, really kind of deflated uh, Two, I, I knew that I was going to look for a new shoe sponsor. That, that was as, as 
far as I could go with that company. And the new, new shoe sponsor that I ended up uh, uh, doing a deal with was Etnies. And it was at a time where they were kind of revamping their skate program. And part of the uh, allure to me was I get to be more involved than just a skateboarder. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized how bad I was at anything other than skateboarding, like working with people. I was terrible at it. was like, I came into this place with this idea that like, I was the boss, like on some, like, you know, Steve jobs, shit, just like talk shit to everybody, throw shoes. I mean, it was terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, except I didn't understand that it was me. That was bad. The, the way I kind of, uh, perceived that situation was all of these people that I'm trying to work with only look at me as a skateboarder and yeah. nothing more, nothing less. And if I ever want to really build out a vision, I have to do it with my own company. Now, little did I know, I just had no people skills at that point. And they looked at me as like, no, it's not that you're just a skater. You're just like, you're awful. Like you just, we don't want to work with you. Uh, long story short, that was when the idea really sparked. I, I got to start my own companies. Uh, and then St. Archer came about because one of my uh, close friends uh, called me to do a, a company called Glassy. It was a sunglass company. And when he called me, I happened to be with another one of my friends who was uh, a surf filmmaker. And when I hung up the phone with one of them, I looked at my other friend and went, hey, what do you think about sunglasses? Like, should I do this? And it was that conversation where he responded, well, everybody does sunglasses in our industry. Like, it'd be sick to do something like brand new. And then four hours later, that conversation kept going where he threw out like beer. Like how sick would it be to do beer and skateboarding and skate, surf, snow, and like, we'll bring all the worlds together. And then uh, the next morning we basically came up with the idea of like, yeah, let's do this. And, uh, and it took us about a year and a half to figure out what that even meant. Uh, So beginning of 2011 was when that, basically conversation started by, uh, gosh, May, May of 2012, we opened doors. And then, uh, at the end of 2015, we ended up selling our company to Miller Coors. That's incredible. And are you still pro skateboarder at this time? Are you, so I was on a hybrid approach and basically, uh, I quit at started writing for DC, did a three year deal with DC right at the time of us doing St. Archer. And our plan, and my partner, Josh, our plan together was, okay, dude, I've got three years. I'm going to do kind of a hybrid. I'm going to spend as much time as I can with St. Archer. And then I'll also maintain a skate career because uh, I have influence. I can you know, drive people towards it and I'm making money. So I don't have to pay myself with the business. Yeah. Uh, and we thought that that was going to be my last deal. And then I was going to step away for skateboarding and, and uh, uh, full take time. a full-time position at St. Archer. And we ended up selling it before my career ended, which was not, we, we didn't expect. <laughs> so my plan B, uh, uh, there was a, a detour, I guess, on that one. That's funny. It the side hustle. You didn't even get to take it full time. I love didn't even it. get to take it full time. Yeah. That's great. So then you end up finishing that and you move over to, you got into like different storage units, real estate. Was that on the side or what was that? Yeah, the, my my uh, beginning of investing in storage units was done passively. So uh, I was investing in storage units and making a return because my money was in the deal. I wasn't actively uh, yeah uh, doing any of the work. So that yeah. was kind of now going back to my original 
strategy was I focus on the thing that one, I love two that, that makes me the most money. And then I put that money in for units. Yes. So you made the most money and then you would put it into the units. Makes sense. And then, so yeah, it was funny because I actually, um, probably a year ago at this point, probably six, eight months ago, I put all my stuff into a storage unit. And I started to see these things. I'm like, dude, these things are cash cabs. They just, you literally, yeah, hundred bucks a month, hundred bucks a month, hundred bucks a month. No one complains. There's no issues. There's like a yeah. thousand of them. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this thing's they're great. They're gnarly, and, dude. Yeah. Is that what the uh, Randy t- told you about? Yeah. So that was a portfolio that they manage themselves. And oh, so, okay. you know, one thing I didn't like, look, it, a lot has changed since then. Like, dude, now, you know, there's platforms that like you can go on as a marketplace and they'll show you operators and they'll show you opportunity that you can invest in. Back then that didn't exist. And yeah. I didn't realize how hard it was to find opportunity. Uh, I just thought it was easy because Randy was showing me opportunity. That's basically yeah, Randy, how the beginning happened. Yeah. Because it was a give and take. Cause you were on the whole, the first years you're learning about financial literacy and then you acquire this wealth and you're like, Randy, what do we do next? And he's like, I mean, this is what the big guys are doing. So hop in if you want in. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. And then what are you doing with community capital? What's happening there? So, uh, after we sold St. Archer, uh, and after my skate career ended, um, I started really seeing like the benefits come full circle of having somebody like Randy come into my life. Right. Like I had somebody teach me about money. I knew nothing about it. I had somebody help me figure out a plan, uh, manage the discipline and then provide opportunity. And then when my career ended, it was like, okay, now what? Like I, I had become one of a very, very small amount of people that have the choice to do whatever they want afterward. Uh, which is not normal for, for skiing. Oh, it's not even normal for athletes. After, after selling everything, you reach that point where it's like. I became financially independent before my career ended, basically. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and, and the typical kind of experience when a skateboarder's career ends, it's like call a sponsor that you once had and ask for a job. That's like typically what we do. Really? So my, my experience is so different than the normal. And so, uh, you know, I was blessed by it, but like, it, 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 I struggled with it as well. It's like, you know, I didn't want to be the one dude over here or one of three dudes over here. Like I want my whole community to be over here. And so I had this idea that I could replicate what Randy did in my life for my community. That was the beginning of it. Commune wasn't even about like everyone. It was just about skateboarding in the beginning. And so I wanted to do two things. One, I wanted to educate. So I wanted to basically teach my, my, you know, the world of skateboarding about money, how it works, how to use it. And then I also wanted opportunity that, you know, would allow other skaters to put their money in opportunity that I had money, my money in. So the whole thing started, uh, at this point I knew how to start a business. I knew what, we had to raise money. So I knew how to raise money. Uh, what I didn't know was how kind of fund management worked in the world of real estate. Uh, but Randy did. I called Randy from a meeting with him. I brought my business plan in. I was like, Randy, I need some help here. He's like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, I need you to show me how this P 
piece works, who the kids are that I need to bring on so I could build out this vision, right? And he's looking through it. He's asking me all these questions. And he looks at me and goes, dude, uh, I have two options here. One, I could tell you, you know, who to go hire. Or we could talk about doing this together. Like I knew everybody it. you're looking I, for, I that, that's us. I had a feeling you know? he wanted and it. I'm like, I'm like, he loves this. <laughs> And so basically we ended up starting a company together 20 years after I had met him. Uh, and that was the birth of, of commune. Uh, and, and a lot changed when we started it. Like my initial idea was like, Oh yeah, like, dude, I'm going to do this thing for skaters. And I had a big social media following at this point. So I just naturally started talking about what I was doing. And all of a sudden I had other athletes in, in other uh, industries hitting me up. Hey dude, what, what's this all about? I want to hear about this. And then I started having people that like weren't athletes, like a lot of sales guys started calling me, Hey dude, what's up with this? And then I started seeing this, this bigger, uh, problem because I thought it was just niche to skateboarding. It's actually a, a global issue. The masses don't know about money. Like we are not equipped to succeed financially. It just doesn't happen Two, when you don't know about money, you don't know how to use money. So, so something like, yeah, I became financially independent. People are like, what the hell does that even mean? And so the company started, uh, one, growing, and two, we broadened our mission to make it not just about skateboarding, to make it about making an impact as, at as large of a scale as possible to teach people about money and also get people on the track to achieve financial independence. That's incredible. And it's so important. So, so to fast... Yeah. So to fast forward today, we now have three businesses. Uh, we, our company is now in the storage business, uh, is now in the lending business and then in the apartment business as well. So we have three different portfolios, uh, on the apartment side. Well, I got equity side of storage and apartments. We're managing about $140 million of assets. And then on the lending portfolio weighed about a little over 300 million dollars we're starting to like find our groove here which is pretty cool yeah that's absolutely amazing and one of the best parts is that obviously you have the opportunities where you're really making the money but then the education portion is just the utmost importance because i'm sitting here and i've had that same realization with myself and i'm like dude, no one knows anything about, like very few people really understand what's going on with money and the dynamics of how you can invest and you can make more than your whole salary and it can pay you. And I was even watching some of your videos about, and I loved it regarding the earned income, portfolio income, passive income. I'm like, dude, this guy is, he knows where it's at because it's funny because it's so true. Yeah. The earned income, you're taxed the most, and everyone's like, "Oh, I gotta make my money," but like, yeah. you can make money a lot cheaper. What did uh was it Henry Ford that said it? If if everyone was financially literate, there'd be a revolution before sunrise. Is that what he said, or before sunset? <laughs> said something like that. It's so true. If, if 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 everybody understood this game, people would be outraged. Yeah, absolutely, because. And this is something I'm kind of curious about your opinion on just because you didn't go through the whole dynamic. But like, let's I've heard you mention about the American dream and like the American dream in general. Let's just say what it is. It's buy a house, 
have a white picket fence, have your family, have your kids go to college. And the funniest part about all that is that the only person who owns everything is the bank in each of those transactions. (laughs) Yeah. One of the best things that was ever said to me was if you want to know what's really going on, just follow the money. Yeah. The money never lies. Follow the money. And so we get so stuck on these, like, you know, these great marketing campaigns or like these, these moments that like trigger an emotional response for us to create action. Right. And we think that's what it's about. It's very rarely about that. You yeah. know, if you take it a step further, like have you, you know, Grant has gone in detail about this, that, you know, the American dream was created by the bank so that you would buy a product that they were able to lend on. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it, yeah, it's, it's fascinating, man. It, it really is. So what are you, so I guess if you were to give a financial literacy tip, what do you think the top two, three tips would be? Just for someone listening. Financial literacy tip. Okay. Number one. Yeah. Let's go with like, they're fairly beginner. Like they're making money. They're in the workforce, but they're not. Yeah. Yeah. So number one, uh, you have to believe it's possible for you to become financially independent. If you don't think it's possible and nothing I'm going to tell you even matters, right? It starts with you going, I could do this and it, and it is possible, which it is. Uh, the problem is everyone around you is going to tell you it's not. So you're, you're working against culture, right? Uh, the very first rule, and everyone knows this, it's just harder to do than it sounds. Spend less than you make. It's yeah. so, it is so basic, but it's so true. Spend less than you make. Two, put a purpose behind your dollars. You, you have to put a purpose towards where dollars are going so that you can even make a decision on why you're putting dollars in certain areas, right? You can call that a budget. You can call it a plan. But until you tell dollars where to go, those dollars are going to go wherever they want. And you're going to be left at the end of the month going, where'd my money go? Yeah. So you have to create a plan. You have to put purpose behind dollars. Uh, third, uh, and we touched about this in the beginning. I think it's actually one of the most powerful uh, components to finance is it's actually beyond finance. It's in life in general. Learning to be responsible with little. Start creating the disciplines before you have money. If you're making 30 grand a year and it seems impossible to, to pay yourself first or to save a, per, a certain percentage of your paycheck before you spend bills, that is the best time to do it. Because when you start making 100 grand, 500 grand, a million bucks, You'd be blown away with how easy it is to just spend more and you're left in the same position. I can't tell you how many people I've met that make a million dollars a year that go, I couldn't imagine making 500 grand a year. My life would be over. It'd be ruined. We deal with the same emotional challenge regardless of the money we make. So create the discipline when you're young. It'll, it'll, be, it'll pay off tenfold in the future. Absolutely. Uh, and I love that because it changes everything because everyone thinks, okay, this guy's an investment banker, or this guy does this, or he's a doctor or whatever. You're like, dude, they're so wealthy. Like they make so much money, but their lifestyle is so high that if they were to get laid off, they're in the same position as everyone else. They can't even afford their lifestyle. Uh, dude, the, the, have you heard the, the analogy of the best types of investors? There's two types. Yeah, no. Two, so. the, the two types of investors that succeed beyond everybody. One, the person who understands uh, business inside and out. And when he makes an investment, 
He has done all of the research and a lot of cases knows the entrepreneur or the fund managers just has a, a understanding beyond most, right? So yeah. like the dude who's like ultra, ultra diligent, that's one. The next successful investor is on the total far end of the spectrum. They don't pay attention to anything. They don't follow it. They just stay consistent and disciplined. And a lot of times those people are teachers. It's phenomenal. So if you just put your head down, stick to your discipline and be consistent, you're going to be better off than 95% of the people in the middle. Yeah. Second thing I'll tell you is like, I came from skateboarding. Like we didn't make a ton of money, moved into the beer industry. A lot of people there don't make a ton of money. With what I do now, I deal with people that make a lot of money, more money as far as a monthly or yearly standpoint that I'll probably ever make, right? Most of them have no idea about money. They don't know how to manage it. They don't know how to set themselves up. They just know how to make it and spend it. That's most people. So if you don't make a lot of money, don't get discouraged that all the people making money are just, you know, able to achieve this dream of having, of being able to choose to work. Uh, that's not true at all. They struggle in a whole, it, it's a very similar way, but it's just on two different on ends of the spectrum. Scale. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard, uh, I was reading some stuff about it, but it, I forget the exact numbers, but it's like a majority of, I think it was like 33% of millionaires never make more than a hundred grand a year. Yeah. That's right. And the reason for that is like you were saying with teachers, it's the diligence of let me put 10%, let me put 10%, let me put 10%, even though it's tight. I'm still yep. going to continue that action because that's what allows you to succeed. It's the consistency. And yeah, I mean, compounding interest is like the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah, it's beauty. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once that starts getting bigger than everything you have, then you're good to go. Yeah, that's Mikey. right. That's exactly right. So for you, what is your, you're at a purpose level now. You're much bigger than, Hey, I need to make a few bucks here, make a few bucks there. What, what would you tell people who look up to you and want to get to that level? Oh, if, if, if I could have gone back and did it all differently, uh, I would have answered the purpose question first and then did this, the thing I was meant to do second. Because it, okay. it took me years to figure out or to be able to answer the question, why am I here? Yeah. Why, why am I on this planet? What is my calling, Right. And it's this idea is if you can't answer that, how are you supposed to have any gauge on if you're doing something well or not? If you don't know your purpose, then answering the question, am I doing a good job is impossible. So uh, if I could have done anything, I would have gone back and and answered that question one. And then, then I would have been able to gauge, oh, so that means I need to be doing these things. And now I'm able to tell if I'm doing a good job or not, because I know what my purpose is. Uh, It makes working a, a completely different experience because you, you truly enjoy what you're doing. One, two, when times get difficult, which they always do, regardless of the level you're at, you're able to push through those challenging times because you're doing it beyond the paycheck, right? Yeah. There's a different drive on why you're doing it. So when times get tough, you're willing to push through because you feel like you're called to do this as opposed to, gosh, dude, all I'm getting paid is this. I, this isn't worth it. I don't want to put up with this crap. It, 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 you get a different type of outcome. Yeah. So I would say to everybody listening, take a moment and try to figure out what your purpose is. And if you're struggling with that, write some things that you enjoy and are passionate mm-hmm. about and find ways to get involved in those. And you'll figure out, ask yourself the purpose question again in six months. Yeah. And you'll get a little bit closer. 
Yeah. And I would say this, it took me 15 years to figure it out. So if you tried to, oh yeah, I'm going to figure out my purpose and you sit there for 20 minutes and you have a hard time, that's okay. Totally normal. This is a, uh, I mean, you're answering a question, you know, why am I here? That's a deep question. So give yourself some grace that uh, it might take time to figure out. Absolutely. And this is coming from someone who is a professional skateboarder who could have said his purpose was skateboarding. Yeah. But he wanted to go much bigger than that. And he knew it was much bigger than that. Mike, you've been incredible, man. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. Thanks, George. Heck yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Oh, one last thing. Where can the people Uh, find you? I'm going to put it all in the show notes, but where can they find you? uh, So pretty much all of my handles on social media are just at Mikey Taylor. Um, If you want to check out our company uh, on all the handles, it's at Commune Capital. Our website is communecapital.com. If you're looking for like, you know, videos on financial literacy, our YouTube is probably the best place to go. Yeah. And trust me, I got stuck in there all morning. Yeah, I appreciate it. Because you've got so many different, and it's different perspectives on it each time. Like, I like how you brought some of the pro skaters on, and they were like, hey, we were just making a lot of money. We had no idea. It's really, it's a a perspective you've never seen before. I'm telling you that, and I'm a financial literacy junkie. So I was like, Mikey Taylor's doing something different. I like this. I appreciate you, dude. Absolutely. It was awesome. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, We'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.